Have a great Sunday. Now, I do have a word on my heart this morning. I'm, I'm Victoria, Marek's team, and I'm pastor here with him and Kiralee in the mornings. And I'm loving this series. We've been doing the Holy Spirit and the empowering presence of God. And Kiralee, I loved your sermon last week about just wading deeper into the rivers of God. And actually, the day after that sermon, Tim and I went for a date too. And we swam from Manly to Shelley and back. And I was just immersed in the water, like meditating on that idea of just being immersed in the river of God. When then I saw a little dusty shark underneath me. So I leapt out of the water and onto Tim's back. <laughs> but in that moment, you know, God keeps speaking. He's like, we're not in the river alone. We are not in the river alone. And we're made to do this Christian life together in community and in family with one another. So if you're new here today, welcome. I hope you find family and friendships here and we wade deeper into the river of God together. And if we ever get scared or afraid, my husband has a lovely broad set of shoulders that we can all just jump on top of. <laughs> no, but let's keep going deeper. Um, we're going to look at Luke 3.16 and I think there's a slide for it. John says in this verse, I baptise you with water. But one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And that's what we're going to be diving into today, this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit and the fire of the Holy Spirit. The Lord really put this on my heart, so I hope I do it justice. Throughout the Old Testament, God's presence often appears as flames of fire. Moses encounters God in a burning bush. In Exodus 40, we see the cloud of the Lord on the tabernacle by day and fire of his presence by night. His fire leading and lighting and guiding the way for his people. Fire is a sign of his power. In 1 Kings, when Elijah confronts the false prophets of Baal, we see God's fire and power appear. In Zechariah 2.5, the Lord declares he's like a wall of fire around his people. So we see fire as a symbol of God's very presence, a light guiding our way, demonstrating his miraculous power, and a symbol of protection around his people. But there was one other way fire was demonstrated in the Old Testament as the manifest presence of God, which had to do with sacrifice. When the people of God were instructed in the book of Leviticus, to bring an animal sacrifice before the Lord as a symbol of atoning for their sins, something really extraordinary happened in that moment. You see, as they brought these sacrifices, at the end of it all, God was the one who provided the fire. In Leviticus 9.24, which is our next slide, after making all these sacrifices, supernatural fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. He provided the fire in this moment. God's manifest presence appeared and consumed not just the sacrifice, but what it symbolizes. He turns their sins to ashes. He turns our sins to ashes. The power of his very presence has the power to take away sin and restore connection and fellowship with his creation. And he does it all because of his fiery, all-consuming love for you and for me. And this next verse to look at, 1 John 4-9, says this is how God showed his love 
and on His Son into the world, that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. God's great plan through understanding the Old Testament sacrifices was that in Jesus, in Jesus, we would recognize that He provides the ultimate sacrifice for our sins once and for all, and eventually He does this with His own life. Now, I just want to pause for a moment. In Leviticus, it's helpful to understand that human sin is described as an act that vandalizes, infects, or defiles God's good world. world. Sin is the result of fractured relationships between us and God and each other, and it leads to power struggles, violence, um, widespread evil that goes on still in our world today. We read so much about this in the Old Testament, causing wars, sin causing violence, because of our corrupted nature. And all of this has a corrosive effect, not just inwardly on the person committing the sin, but on entire communities. And you know, I've got a good example for you. I let our sinful response get the better of me just the other day. Um, it's good to be vulnerable as pastors and tell you all our stuff. You know, Luca was having a meltdown of epic proportions, yelling at his sister. And I got so frustrated, I got to the point where just to get his attention, I yelled right back in his face in a really mean way, so it wasn't nice. And I let my anger get the better of my behavior. You know, I let my anger, sorry, his behavior, get the better of me. And I did the very thing I was trying to teach him not to do to his <laughs> sister, too. Oh, but this is like sin. These sin cycles are like this. They're downward spirals in the way we treat each other. You know, the, I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit because in that moment, I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit afterwards that as his mother, I meant to use my voice and words to build him up into the man of God he's called to be and not label him another way. I may have called him a little monster at that moment <laughs> because we've been reading a book about this little monster and I thought it would be a good analogy, but as it came out, the look on his face was like, that was a terrible analogy. I've broken his heart. But sin fractures our relationships. But gratefully, once I invited the Holy Spirit in, he immediately gave me a plan. Luke left the room. And Hope was giving me the list of issues with Luca after he left, like, Mummy, this is that. And I stopped her and said, you know what, Hope, let's go and help him find this lost ball that he's looking for. Because Hope, love is the greatest power we will ever have to change this world, not anger. So let's go demonstrate that to Luca, and I actually think in this moment that's going to help him most. And she was like, okay. And then I was able to have a calm conversation afterwards with Luca about speaking respectfully to women and including his sister. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for that. I guess that's just a little example. But I guess sin fractures our world in daily ways, in little ways and big ways. In the words we speak, in the actions we choose. But we have this extraordinary gift of the Holy Spirit to help us walk differently. You see, God provided the ultimate sacrifice in Jesus, atoning for our sins once and for all. The gift of the Holy Spirit as fire poured out upon the altars of our lives is appropriating the work of the cross within us. Does that make sense? It's dealing, he helps us deal with the ongoing struggles with sin and does this purifying work in our lives. 
And I really feel today that God wants to draw our attention towards that inward journey and reveal the way in which we're willing to invite the fire of God's manifest presence into our very hearts and lives, sin can truly be turned to ashes. Come on. And we can experience a life of freedom, wholeness and power in the midst of God's flaming presence. Romans 12.1 says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. There's this calling in the New Testament for us as followers of Jesus to now live as living sacrifices. And I read this verse and I think, how can we be sacrificed and living at the same time? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Things just got confusing. <laughs> Let me attempt to unpack this. For the Israelites, watching an animal sacrifice was so significant. I mean, just pause for a moment. Can you actually imagine what that would have been like to witness an animal being sacrificed in front of you? It would have been horrific to watch. Absolutely horrific. But it was meant to be. It was a symbolic reminder of the death and destruction that sin causes. That sin causes life to be drained out of us. That it breaks the beauty of what God always intended, life and life to the full. Thank God that we don't have to do that anymore. Thank God that we don't have to watch that anymore. But God wanted Israel and us to grasp the fullness of sin's destruction. Being faithful to his promises, God cannot stand the thought of sin getting in the way of his connection with you and with I. You know, this was a ritual that echoed an eternal significance. An eternal significance. You see, the temple or the tabernacle where the sacrifices took place was God's throne on earth at that time. It was the meeting place of heaven and earth in the heart of that tabernacle. And Israel's sin wasn't just breaking a rule. It's about God being so holy. He is so holy that he cannot dwell in the same place as sin. Right. He can't. But because we are so broken and so prime to sinfulness, God does not want to be without us. And the sacrifices were supposed to demonstrate this. God initiates this. God makes a way to draw near to us again and have his presence remain with us. The New Testament says now in 1 Corinthians 6, 9-20, Do you not know that your body is a temple? We are now the temple. As we've been talking about in this series, we are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price to glorify God in your body. Our communion with God came with a price. So let's never take it for granted, church. Your body is a temple. Your body is now a meeting place of heaven and earth. That's, That's right. amazing. Yeah. That's extraordinary. Because of Jesus' sacrifice and the gift of the Holy Spirit, this is possible. We are called to be temples filled with the fire of God. So glorify God in your body. So I want to highlight three Quick implications this morning for us of how this can affect and implicate in our lives. 
Three things, the act of fire to purify, the act of fire to empower, and the importance to keep the fire burning. Come on. So number one is purifying fire of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, fire is so commonly used to purify metals, right? You use fire to purify substances. Well, this is so similar with the act and the way the Holy Spirit works in our lives. How does this happen? You know, I think there's a few keys to this. We need to be willing, yeah, to deny at times our own selfish pursuits and instead pursue God's desires. To lay down things and pick up the things of God. To align our lives with His Word and to obediently follow Him. It's giving up the unhealthy habits and sacrificing the fleeting desires of the flesh that, let me tell you, will not satisfy. They won't truly satisfy and instead be consumed by the one thing, the one love that truly satisfies for all eternity. It's a really good trade-off, church. <laughs> Living in the purifying fire is allowing the Holy Spirit to convict you of sin and responding by turning from it and leaning on Him and His empowering strength to do it. He empowers us to live this life and walk this way. Song of Songs 6-8, I love this. It says, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death. Jealousy as fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire. The very flame of God. Because God desires to dwell in our midst, He gets closer than you could ever imagine. He wants to dwell within your hearts every minute of every hour of every day. That's how close He wants to be in the body of the temple that you carry with His Holy Spirit. Come on. Fellowshipping with you, forming you into the amazing person He made you to be. But let's be honest, fire can be a bit scary getting close to it, right? We don't want to get burnt. We don't want to get burnt. Some of us, I think we struggle to receive from God and enter into this journey because we've built walls around our hearts due to the hurts and wounds we've maybe faced. And sometimes it can be hard for God to get through those things. You know, and I get that. That's so normal in the life that we live. But can I just encourage you this morning? He's worth it. The journey is worth it. You can trust God with your heart. He's so gentle and loving, and this is all about surrendering, not striving. Yielding, not holding on. But He will make you whole again. So secondly, the empowering fire of God. The fire of the Holy Spirit purifies us as we surrender to that journey, but it also fills us with boldness and displays God's glory. Remember, you're a meeting place of heaven and earth. I said at the start, we often read biblical stories where God's power manifests through fire in miraculous ways. I went off to Bible school wanting to know my Bible better, which I did, but I feel God also ambushed me in that place um, in extraordinary ways. I often say he did heart surgery on me in Bible school, but he also led me into a start of a journey of seeing the manifest power of God at work in our world. I could tell you so many stories, so many of deaf ears opening as we prayed for little charismatic um, nonnas in Italy with a team, of prophesying over witch doctors and seeing the power of God's truth come into their life, of praying for people who would suddenly become so overwhelmed by the power of God they would fall down or cry or laugh. And then we would hear about the amazing work God had done in their heart. You know, I've watched some amazing...
I've experienced the Holy Spirit like electricity through my veins, like immense power that's brought me to my knees at times, or often even in this house the physical weight of God's glory. I don't know if somebody there remember the night Tim got the joy of the Lord and just stood at the altar laughing hysterically while someone else over here was like weeping in the presence of God as we just asked Him to come. We feel sometimes heat on our hands as we pray for the sick, or peace upon our hearts as we learn to trust Him. You know, we're human beings, church. Why am I giving all these examples? Because you're a human being, made not just of a mind, but emotions and a physical body. And God can connect and commune with us in the fullness of the way that we're designed as humans. And don't you think God wants more than just a cerebral relationship with you? He wants your heart. He wants a heart-to-heart encounter with you. And I understand sometimes these powerful manifestations of the Holy Spirit can be odd, and it freaks us out because we really like to be in control, don't we? We really like to have everything in control. And it can make us wonder, is this really God? And that's a great question to ask. You should ask that question. It's really good. But read your Bible because God does some really weird things in it. Some amazing <laughs> weird manifestations. But secondly, what's the fruit? That's the biggest question. What's the fruit of what's happening? What's the fruit? Because encounters with God will produce the fruit of His love and His kingdom, always. So look to the fruit. A lot of people don't know the story behind the story of, that, of the famous revival in Toronto in the 1990s, but the fire of God found a church where a man, John Arnott, was preaching, and there was all these, you know, people falling over and laughing and crying, and he shut it down. He was like, this can't be God. And he shut the whole thing down. And then months later, he was reflecting and praying, and he felt so convicted that, God, I think that was you. And he said, Lord, I'm so sorry. I repent, Lord, if you come again, I'll get out of the way. A lot of people don't know that story. That's what happened before 1994, when that huge revival hit in Toronto. But John Arnott had learned to step aside for the Holy Spirit. And I, I got to sit under him for a while and watch the way he did that. And it was so amazing, the way he would just sit aside in the room and allow the Holy Spirit to move. You know, out of that revival, a lady went back to London, to HTV, and the same fire fell there and the Alpha Course was launched. Heidi Lake, if you know, an incredible missionary, got wrecked in the love of God, has gone on to amazing missions. Bill Johnson got undone in the Father's love and took her back to California. Even though there was weird and lucky things going on in the manifestation of the Spirit, the fruit was incredible of the kingdom of God advancing and the love of God changing hearts and lives. One encounter I'll share with you, because it's good to be local, was at C3 on the Northern Beaches. And the night I ran forward to give my heart back to Jesus, there was, I had this amazing, I guess, power encounter of God's presence. His Holy Spirit fell upon me, and my whole body was quivering and shaking. And I, in this moment, I just thought, God, this is so embarrassing. Stop it. Like, all I can think of people sitting behind me watching me, like, do a weird shimmy. But I felt, I knew what was happening in my heart. I was giving my life back to Christ and I felt God wanted me to know so tangibly He was in that moment. That He was real, that He was there, that He was powerful. You know, and so I just surrendered. Okay, God, do whatever mysterious work you're doing now in me in this moment. You know, after the apostles received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, He was seen like a flame upon their heads in Acts 2, 1-4. 
but they also received boldness for preaching the gospel that lasted a lifetime. The Holy Spirit makes us bold and bright like flames of fire in this world. When they had this encounter with the Holy Spirit, they went out and preached the gospel and 3,000 were added to their number. He wants to purify you through the Holy Spirit. But he also wants to pour out his fire upon you and encounter you to empower you in this world, to do and strengthen you the things he's calling you to. Psalm 104.4 says, He makes his ministers a flaming fire. Quickly, I'm going to touch on this as I end. The third point, keep the fire burning. Leviticus 6.13, God through Moses instructs the priests to always keep that fire on the altar burning. Never let it go out. This is a reminder to us that we need to nurture the flame of God within us. You know, you've got to actually tend a lot to a fire to keep it burning. Tim can tell you this, all that stumpy about us. Um, don't have stumpy as ask it was a fire we burned for months. Anyway, I'm going to nurture that flame to keep it burning. But this means getting some good daily habits. How do you nurture that fire? You read your Bible every day. That purification takes place in, as you're in His Word. We pray and commune with God, make time for that. We get to church on Sundays so we can fellowship with other believers and let our flames ignite one another. We put the gifts of the Spirit to use in our lives and be obedient to whatever He's asking of you. Not out of a place of striving, but out of the knowledge that He wants to be near with you and dwell with His people. He wants to purify your life and free you from the captivity of sin. He wants to fill you with strength and power to accomplish the plans and purposes He has for you. So in conclusion, God reveals His manifest presence throughout Scripture's life. The Holy Spirit describes many things in the Bible, but He makes His big debut in the New Testament like tongues of fire resting on individuals. Good. A spiritual fire which God Himself has poured out and provided, turning sins to ashes, purifying us within, and showing up as powerful demonstrations of His manifest presence among us. He's longing to be communing with us and at work and at transforming our world. So let's stand for a moment. Today, you know, there's a call by the mercies of God to present our body.